Hey there, Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And something I wanted to let you know about is a brand new podcast, a podcast that I was lucky enough to be guest number one. It is called Resilient Real Estate Investing. Do me a favor, go check it out. Just in the last couple of weeks, not only has my episode aired, but you heard from a syndicator who spent eight years in prison. You've heard from a movie theater operator who has had their side hustle produce 20 properties. Future episodes will record around the Roofstock's head coach, a college student evaluating properties, and of course, an army recruiter who discovered private money. Again, do me a favor, check out Resilient Real Estate Investing. On with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with the amazing Anna Kelly. How you doing, Anna? I'm doing great, Michael. So one of the things that you and I have been talking about for, I'm going to call it nine months, if not a year, is there's going to be some tremendous opportunities in the multifamily space. We're going to talk commercial here, not residential. So five and above. Um, and really, really in your area, right? I've never done units above 40. Uh, you've you've been a part of many syndications and your own investments in JVs above that. And uh, the one and only Grant Cardone, held a um, small group meeting with some investors from across the country. A buddy of mine is in that. And I want to read to you a quote uh, that he got from Grant. You ready? I'm ready. So 1,457 multifamily properties don't meet DCR requirements today. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean for you? Today is reported that real estate data provider TREPP, T-R-E-P-P, -P, haven't checked them out, has 1,457 multifamilies in their database currently do not meet or barely meet the 1.25 DCR requirement on their loans. This is bonkers. Keep reading. This means that for a strong experienced sponsors who are not tainted by forced sales or foreclosures, there will be more opportunity to purchase multifamily at attractive prices than we have seen in a very long time. Now is your chance to get ready for the opportunity ahead, not in 2023 or 2024, when those deals start to hit the market. The potential is way larger than merely 1,457 properties identified by TREP. There are some 1 trillion, trillion, that's with a T, of real estate loans that mature in 2023 and 2024 across all flavors of commercial real estate. And a substantial amount of that is multifamilies. These properties will need to be refinanced with higher interest rates and higher cap rates in an environment that existed when that an environment that existed when the debt was originated. Extend and pretend won't work as well as last crisis because interest rates are rising, not falling. And they were as they were in the aftermath of the great financial crisis. I'm excited. Now we've got the big Grant Cardone saying there's lots of opportunity coming. So uh, what do you take from all of that? Yes. So I read the same article. It was kind of making its rounds, you know, several different times. And, and I agree that there is going to be some pain ahead, which is opportunity for us multifamily syndicators that are that have the liquidity and the experience to take them down. So basically what he's saying, and, and this is what a lot of investors don't realize unless they do commercial, right, is we don't get these 30 year fixed loans. We get loans that are amortized over 30 if they're, you know, great loans. 
Um, but generally we lock in a loan rate of about five years. Sometimes that could be seven or 10, depending on the deal. Um, but at the end of that five-year period, you either have to refinance or the rate adjust, depending on the loan type. And either way, if the properties were bought, let's say in the last four years, they were bought at generally speaking, low interest rates. Now I'm gonna temper this a little bit. First, let me just say this. The challenge here is that when they talk about DSCR not being met, what they're basically saying is that when you have a commercial loan, the lender doesn't just give you the loan once and say, oh, you're good, just keep paying and you're, no problem. They make us provide financials either quarterly or annually, depending on the type of loan, showing our profit and loss statement and our balance sheet. And essentially, we have to be able to show that the net income after all expenses is at least approximately 20 to 35% above whatever that mortgage payment is, because the banks want us to have profit on top of just barely getting by. And that's called that debt coverage ratio. Mm -hmm. How much is the net income above the debt on the property? And in our loan covenants, there's two things we have to maintain. Loan to value. So if we borrowed at 75% of the value, every quarter, every year, they're going to say, is the value of that property, property still sufficient such that the balance on the loan is no more than 75% of the value? And then the second thing is, is the income that it's generating sufficient to cover whatever that debt coverage ratio was that the banks required, usually between 1.2 and 1.35. So the worry here is that as rates go up, the mortgage payment goes up. So the debt coverage issue is if my mortgage payment goes up 50%, and my income doesn't go up accordingly to cover that increase in 50%, which is really hard to do, right? In certain situations, depending on how it was bought, then suddenly my net income isn't still 120% of that loan payment. It might barely break even. Break even and paying on time for a commercial loan isn't good enough. You have to have a slush. So there's this risk that if you hold the property, the loan can be called because you're not bringing up in enough income and if you've got to refinance it, you may not be able to refinance it for the same money that you could before. Not only can you no longer get 75 or 80% of what it's worth today, you might only be able to get 60% of what it's worth today because of the credit squeeze due to this environment. So the real challenge is those that have loans coming up, they may not be able to refi or sell because if values come down, they can't sell for what they want and they're gonna be stuck. In a couple of situations, they either have to get a capital call from their investors. Hey, you got to give us more money so that we can pay down this mortgage and not lose the property. Or they're going to have to sell it potentially a loss um, or they're going to have to move into bridge debt, which may be possible. Right. But there's risk there. And so, yes, it's a real serious issue. Now, the one thing I will say is for those that are buy and hold investors that way overpaid and they really didn't have much meat on the bone to force the appreciation. What I mean by that is we go in, we renovate units, we put in a bunch of money, we raise the, the appearance and quality of the rent, uh, the, the unit, we get higher rents, and therefore we force a big appreciation. The thing I'm going to temper all of this fear with a little bit is that people who bought in 2017, 2018, 2019, if they bought value-add deals, they may have created millions of dollars of additional value in that property meaning they'll be able to refi. They may not be able to get the profit on the back end they were hoping for, but if they've created a substantial increase in that value, 
even at 60, 65% LTV, I think a lot more are going to be safe than that trillion that are coming due. Um, it really depends on how good was that operator enforcing that appreciation, getting that higher value and getting rents up significantly um, substantial to be able to cover the increase in that debt coverage ratio. Yeah, I, I think when I when I read that number of a trillion dollars, again, it was commercial, not multifamily only. Right. Uh, I've already had some research into office, like San Francisco, right? It's been decimated. Yeah. Like there are there are buildings there uh, that aren't forty percent occupied, like most of downtown, right. right? So there's going to be a lot of pain in office, a lot of pain. I I expect some vulture funds, Blackstones, and absolutely all of those folks just to just to go yeah. to town. And some industrial as well, because a lot of these yeah. industrial buildings were bought for warehouses to stock supply, and now that's not needed. So I expect those two retail industrial are going to be hit much harder. I think for multifamily, the other thing that we have to just kind of remember is that there's multiple classes of multifamily, right? There's class A, class B, class C, class D, which is war zone properties that you don't want, right? But those proper those historically, statistically, when you're moving into a recession, when you're moving into potential financial crises, what's really interesting is class A multifamily or class B that's in a class A market like Houston, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, Raleigh, North Carolina, the cap rates on those properties, Michael, actually go down. Why? Because when there's volatility in the stock and bond market, multifamily is considered a flight to safety. And that's why so many institutions bought these things at crazy low cap rates at three caps, four caps, because they were they were basically making a move to an asset that they believe is recession resilient and safe during volatility. And yeah. so class A multifamily, I'm really not that worried about because if someone has to sell, they're still selling to an institution that's trying to flee the stock and bond market um, yeah. and they're going to be OK. Class B, I want to talk about that a little bit, the class yeah. A for a minute. Yeah. Um, so I agree logically and historically, but again, I think we're in an environment that, you know, for 40 years, rates basically went down. Right. I think we're like, if we talked about in video one today, I think, I think the next decade, we're going to have structural inflation, which means I think rates will stay, I don't know, let's say above 5% for most of the decade. Yes. Right? Uh, and now if that's true, that means the 10 year treasury is probably three and a half, three, seven, right. Just using normal spreads. Right. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of less three caps in the next. Five I agree years. with you. But if we're just talking about like loans coming up in the next okay. year or two, okay. that's different than long term. Where will yeah. treasuries yeah. be? Where what's that risk premium that's going to be demanded for ABC? Right. So yeah, I, let's assume for a minute that the rates go up to, you know, the, the Fed gets the Fed fund rates to five. You can go listen back to our first video. Right. Yeah. And they crush inflation and they bring them maybe not as low as what they have been. I don't think we're ever seeing those low rates again, but let's say they bring them back to, you know, three and a half or four, right? Okay. Um, yep. If they bring them back low-ish and get us close anywhere between where, where cap rates were 2018 to 2021, okay. I think that I think that class A multifamily is still going to be really strong. Um, right, yeah. There's still going to be a, a, an increase in, in cap rates across the board. I have no doubt about that because I don't think we're ever going back to the low, low, low rate environment that we were in. Um, so my point is, if somebody's in trouble now or in the next year, while there's still this volatility in question, 
Class A is going to be much safer to be able to exit or find somebody that wants sure. that property. Class B is in a major city with a really strong, robust economy. And I'll give you an example. Um, I've already closed this deal, right? So I'm not raising money for it anymore. But we had a deal in Raleigh. Raleigh has the number four GDP in the nation. So, you know, compared to every other major city, if you're in like one of the top five cities that's still producing better than we are nationally, those kind of resilient markets, there was a billion dollars of institutional investment into Raleigh for multifamily this year. So wow, that's, that's the kind of market I'm saying is strong and resilient where, you know, you know, institutional investors are looking to be in the jobs are really good. A lot of these syndicators, though, over the last couple of years were chasing yield and they went to small tertiary markets like Oklahoma City. I like to pick on Oklahoma, right, hoping that they could just go in and update the units and get great rents. Well, Oklahoma City has a 14 percent historic vacancy rate. You're not going to fix that with one sexy apartment complex, right? No. So those that kind of chased yield are in less strong markets. If you're in a class A or B multifamily property in those less strong markets, you're going to struggle more, right? So it all comes down to the quality of the market you're investing in and the quality of the asset that you have and how well you have been able to perform since you've owned that asset. There's going to be many people that are going to be able to, to get out of this, but for those that can't, um, there is going to be tremendous opportunity for us that are still buying to be able to come in and scoop those things up at a very, very low basis and be able to hold them and, and ride out, you know, whatever's coming in the economy. Yeah, I think I think really when I read that, it's like, you know, Anna and I have been talking about this for a while. There are going to be opportunities to, to move. And, you know, that takes preparation. We've been preparing for nine to 12 months on purpose, you know, sitting on yes. cash, even though some people say cash is trash because yeah. we knew what was coming. We we sold some assets, refied some stuff, uh, got our debt structure right. So we can we can be opportunistic. I see great opportunity in the next 18 to 24 months, even though I'm focused on one market. There will Absolutely. be people that overpay that that need help and, and uh, you know, have those banking relationships that they can say, hey, you want to step in? You want to do this? You want to do that? Uh, and then kind of the, la the last thing to talk about here is if I were to take residential and commercial and have them be separate over the next two years, my opinion, you, you please disagree with me if you do. I think there will be more pain in commercial given the debt structure and unrealistic assumptions than residential. Residential as a class, 98% 30-year fixed rate debt, everybody, you know, 90-whatever percent below four. I, when I look at those two and say, where's the pain going to be greater? It's it's commercial. What do you think? I agree with you completely, you know, and, and a lot of it's because most residential loans are locked at a fixed rate below 4%. Um, and I've seen different stats, but it's, you know, 85 to 90% of loans are below 4%. And so if people don't have to move, they're not going to. And so you're not going to have a huge decrease, even though the news is every day saying real estate's crashing, right? It's, it's transactions. You're not going to have enough people that are willing to give up that nice, nicer home at a lower rate. And for them to sell, they've got to pay more money either in rent or a less quality, smaller asset because of where mortgage rates are. And so you're going to have not a huge string of supply in most markets. And that's going to keep, you know, the supply down will keep prices down you know, prices up a little more than what they might be if, if they had had all this yeah. crazy, vault, you know, variable debt. Um, yeah. what, just one kind of interesting point I was reading that really shocked me um, is that in the UK, they don't give you fixed mortgages. They're variable debt. 
So they're about to have a major housing crisis like we had in 08 because yes. almost all of their homes are done on variable rate mortgages. We don't have that here in the U.S. and residential, and that's going to make it much less volatile um, than those that have variable debt like those residential there or like commercial real estate. Yeah, there, there are three countries that I've been following for about a year that have that just do arms. And for 40 years, arms were the right answer. Right. Right. The rates were going down, generally speaking, and your payment went down. Not so much this last year and probably the next three to five years of what we see coming is true. It's Canada, the UK and Australia. All three had crazy mm -hmm. housing. All three affordability is below the United States. Right. A lot of that was because of the debts was getting increasingly cheaper. Well, that's not going to feel very good for the next five to six years. They have these things. They have these things on a, in Canada called trigger rates. So think about this. You're in a five-year arm. You have a five-year arm at 1.5. They had they have mortgages at, with a one on it. Wow. But it buried inside the loan, there's this little carve out that says if if rates get to four, we have this thing called a trigger rate where your payment's going to go up. You have to do so it's not even a fixed arm, right? There's this little wow. clause that says, you know, if 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 A, B, and C happen, trigger rates, you know, it's it's crazy. So I think Canada, UK, and Australia. Housing markets are in trouble because of the debt. And that's what we learned right. from 08. Right, right. Crazy. Huge opportunity potentially for those that are in Actually, those markets, right? To buy properties at lower basis. So I can tell you this, I, I am I am a diehard multifamily investor because I believe in the fundamentals in the right markets, in the right areas with the right debt, right? But I have been the last two days searching for some single family homes on realtor.com, right? I got two out of real or you know the MLS realtor.com in the last six weeks. Two, I yeah. didn't get a deal out of the MLS in three years. I got and two. Look how many have major price drops, and they're all sitting there with twenty or thirty of them that can't get the right price, right? So I'm like you. I'm I'm excited. I'm opportunistic. Um, I sold a bunch, and let me just tell you, after I sold a bunch of properties in 2021 and 2022, there's part of me that's like, why did I sell those? Why did I sell those? I should have kept them, right? Um, cause a lot of older, wiser investors will say the worst time I, I, the worst thing I did was sell the properties, yeah. but why did I sell them, Michael, for this exact thing we're talking about on this show? Because I looked at all of my debt and I said, what will my debt coverage ratio be if my rates go up to five or yeah. six, right? Not even thinking seven at that time. What will my loan to value be if there's a softening because of inflation being high. And I figured out that I, I might have to come to the table with a million dollars, right? On my property, on the ones I own alone. So right. sold enough properties to get a million dollars in liquidity just for that purpose so nice. that I had that safety. And yes, I sleep well at night knowing if this happens, I'm safe and I'm secured because I saw it in advance and I made those decisions. But there's part of me that's like, man, I shouldn't have sold them. I should. It's it, what if it's all fine and, you know, I'm going to regret that I sold them. But now there's tremendous opportunity as well. Yeah. And so, you know, it, there's always safety in having liquidity. I'll say that, you know, I didn't believe that early on. And I spent every penny I had on the next investment and the next and then some. <laughs> to continue to grow. And then some, right? Other people's money, banks, monies, all the debt I could get because debt was cheap oh. and we were riding a cycle up, right? Yep, but yep, you yep. kind of watch these cycles and you go, there's a time to sell and there's a time to buy. We yep. sold when we needed to sell, you and I both. There's all these issues coming for those that really didn't plan ahead. We're hitting a bottom. 
you're going to have an opportunity to make some tremendous investments and make back any money from the properties that you sold that you wish you hadn't, right? That's what I'm telling myself every day. And I believe it. And so I'm very excited that there's going to be better opportunity to buy properties at a better basis than what we've ever seen. Even with rates higher, we can always refinance that debt, debt later. Yeah, I... um People just you and this is your and I's third recession as really adults, right in the game, and it wealth is made in recessions. Income is made in the good times when everybody's making money. It's easy. Yes. I th that always makes me uncomfortable, right? When you're you know shoe shine person to to take a Wall Street analogy is making money flipping houses. Not not I I don't like that. Uh, but recessions that's my time. So got yes. the debt right, raised dry powder and. I'm already I'm already executing. Already got two. Still looking for more. Already told people I'm gonna. You know I'm willing to pay twelve percent interest only on private money if the right deals come up. Because again, debt cost of debt doesn't bother me. I just put it right. in a spreadsheet and see what comes out. So right, I'm and ecstatic. interest only. Your payments are much lower than a, a fully amortized principal and interest at a lower rate. Absolutely right. So Anna, where can people follow you? Great. You can find me here on my channel on your playlist. You can find me on social media at Anna Kelly REI Mom. If you're looking for coaching and masterminding, my website's reimom.com and passive investments and multifamily for accredited investors can find me at greaterpurposecapital.com. Awesome. Thank you so much.